Kante Robinson on. He's got it in. And there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Giuliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. Hello, thank you for joining us for episode two of the Downhill Second Half podcast. Joining me, Ian DL, is a man with more technical wizardry than a jinking Darren Curry charge down the wing. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Hello, thank you for that. And alongside him, uh, almost as great an underhill enigma as the Barnet career of Des Hamilton is Craig Clayton. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, afternoon. <laughs> right, you can see I've been practising, boys. Um, yeah, very nicely so, done. Today's episode is all about players. Um, and what we've done this week, we've set ourselves the challenge of each coming up with our favourite Barnet 11 from Underhill, obviously. Um, I emphasise favourite, not necessarily best. Um, and what we're going to try and see if we can do is, between the three of us, come up with an agreed uh, combined team. Um, and so, obviously, as we said in the first episode, the stipulation about the era, we're talking sort of mid-90s onwards. And obviously, we're going to be playing 4-4-2 to fit with the kind of retro when football was better vibe of the podcast. Um, so, are we ready, chaps? Have we done our homework? Let's do it. Yeah, certainly done the homework. Um, I, you know, my first reflection on it is that it's definitely wrong already. Um, in my my my, uh, my start or my, my first thought as I reflect on trying to do this is that did we ever have? tall players have we ever had a particularly tall or quick team because I my team if the ball goes in the air we're in a bit of bother I think like already definitely certain parts of the pitch that we had less players in over time definitely not nothing to do with our memory being short (laughs) (laughs) James how did you find the compiling of the team yeah it was I I found that uh, certain positions were I think quite easy uh, well, I'm thinking quite easy, but then other ones, there it, it took a lot of thought because you know towards the back end of the sort of mid 2000s to late 2000s into the early 2010s, you know we didn't have a great deal of very good players, so um, so it was quite hard to pick out um, you know one one very good player. But I think I've, I think I might have focused on a particular few seasons, but I suppose we'll see how it goes as we um, as we as we plough through. Right, well, um, so we'll pick the team and say 4-4-2. We'll go right to left and we'll do a position at a time. Um, the way we're going to do it, so we each put your name forward and then we'll see what we can land on. So we'll start with the goalkeeper. Um, James, who have you selected as your keeper? Lee Harrison. Craig? Next. Lee Harrison. Oh, and same for me. Well, this is going to be a short podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> right, well, I think that's a pretty unanimous decision that I, Lee Harrison... I, I don't know about... Um either of you guys, but I did have a couple of other names that, that floated around. Um, Shane Gore was one that um, was there for a long time, not the tallest goalkeeper, but um, probably responsible for the best live performance of any goalkeeper I've ever seen at any time. Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury away in the, yeah. in the playoffs, um, in the, that in the conference. That one-handed save in extra time was obscene. It's fantastic. If, if you actually look back at that, if my memory serves me correctly, we didn't concede an open play against Shrewsbury in, in, two, in two legs of that game. And, Obviously lost on penalties in the end. I think Lee Steele scored uh, both their... No, no, Rogers. That Rogers. <laughs> the little fella. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, my memory serves me very well there. I couldn't get, I couldn't get either name start. right, but you both knew who I meant. Um, but yeah, I, that fella paid money. Um, yeah. So um, no, uh, Shane Gore was one that definitely, um, and a bit of a fan's favourite there. Shane's got Shane Gore's a Welshman. That that chant that used to get sung that never really made any sense. That yeah, kind of no, stuff. I, I, he was. I, I had Gore written down as well. Um, I think yeah, he, he came across well. I think his. He uh, certainly went up in a lot of people's estimations for his antics in the Weaver the night we won the league in 2005. I remember him being one of the main orchestrators of the celebrations, despite obviously being on the bench for another man whose name I had Scott Tynan on my list of possibles. I thought he had a, obviously he was a big part of that title winning team. I think I think you guys you guys have um, you've mentioned two players there that were sort of on the shortlist. I had quite a few as well. In in it was a position where we seem to have players that were there for about a season or maybe a little bit longer, that were either adequate or just more than adequate. Because we had, you, had, you had people like Graham Stack, obviously towards the end of the, um, end of the Underhill era. Uh, Jake Cole, you know, really good goalkeeper. Yeah. Very, very decent goalkeeper. Um, but, you know, you just, can't, you just can't really get past Lee Harrison, can you, really? Let's, let's be honest. I, I say something unpopular as well, but Ross Flitney, pre-Man United away... Um, was a was fantastic, and there were rumours that Man City were down there with scouts at Underhill looking at him pre money as well. I think that was as well. But <laughs> no, it's funny you say that. his name came to mind. I suppose when you think Barnet goalkeepers, he did one of the most high profile things of a Barnet goalkeeper to do. Um, but I agree, he started off brilliant. I remember we played South End in the Cup um, FA Cup. Actually, that was a week after Man United. I think it was his first game back after the uh, suspension. Um, and we lost one nil. I think they had like Gota and Eastwood up front. They were ridiculous. It could have, but it could have been eight or nine. He was incredible that day. But I don't know. It was, a, it was a shame. Kind of that that one incident seemed to kind of be a bit of a catalyst for things not working out as they might have done for for Flitney. If I could just add two more names that possibly don't make the era, but certainly when you're talking about Barnet goalkeepers, have to get a mention. I think Gary Phillips, um, nicknamed Sumo. Um, probably is a little bit before our era. Um, I saw him play, but but don't remember it too well. But he was a you know a huge character in more ways than one. Um, and then uh, Mike Taylor, um, who uh, obviously went on to play in the Premier League and play for Northern Ireland a, a lot and captain them, I think, and possibly coached there as well. I think. But um, in in any case, um, Mike Taylor. Um, Quality got ex army, believe it or not. Um, as as I, as a story went back in the day, um, he wasn't a goalkeeper. He was in the army, and they needed someone to go in goal, and he went in goal in the army team. And they went, "Blimey, you're good!" And he went to Headensford. Is that right? Headensford or Farnborough or one of those? The Farnborough, Farnborough, Farnborough. I don't know where I got Headensford. He went Farnborough. He was at, um, um, which I think is that towards Aldershot, that kind of way. It's down that and sort of way, yeah. And they've got army army base down in Aldershot. I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It's probably conjecture, but he. Um, but anyway, it went on to be a top class goalkeeper. But uh, yeah, just what those two deserve a mention. But yeah, I think Harrison. Yeah, uh, I, you say you can't really argue. I mean, over three hundred first team games. Um, lovely man to boot as well. I think you know any experience we've all yeah. had of him has been very pleasant. Um, I remember spending more money than I had at the time to buy his match-worn shirt in an auction when I was a student. I think, James, I carried on bidding just to beat you in the uh, auction at the end of the year, do as I recall. That was right. We were both we were both bidding with money we didn't really have at the time, as I recall. <laughs> Thank you, student loan, um, which I've, yeah, I've still got that somewhere. 
But um, yeah, no, I think that's quite quite an easy choice to start. It might get a bit harder as we go through. So moving on then, so right back. Uh, Craig, who have you gone for as right back? Do you know what? Um, well, we'll sort of go with who I've actually got and then we'll come back to maybe some people that, that didn't quite make it. But I've got Ian Hendon um, and he'll be my captain as well. He, um, yeah, Ian Hendon. Okay, James? Also Ian Hendon. <laughs> I did say at the beginning this, uh, this, this might not take very long, I think. Yeah, I can't really. He's number one on my list as well. There's a few other contenders, but yeah, I think for consistency over time, title-winning captain, it's going to be hard to pick um, who, someone else. Who did you? Um, who contended? My, for you, my, my uh, next choice was um, I had Sam Stockley on there because when I first started going, um, he was the right back and he was quality. Obviously, he played higher up. I think he went to Wickham, didn't he? After Barnet, is that right? That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. And played at a higher level. Um, I just remember him being an exciting player. He had sort of funny hair, which, uh, again, if you think of that era and that he was in, he, he sort of stood out for that. But, um, yeah, I had Sam Stockley. And the only other one, again, this is one of the positions where I was thinking we just never had anyone who played right back, so I'm sure I forgot a few. Um, I had Barry Fuller jotted down like an asterisk. Do you remember when we got him on loan from Charlton? Uh, I think it was the first season back in the league, 05, 06. And he was brilliant. Like, so, so Solid. I think Hendon maybe was injured or something like that. He came back and I think he played in the last season at Underhill or maybe the year before that. And it wasn't quite the same player in what I saw, perhaps. But um, yeah, when he came on that short spell, he was fantastic. But don't know. Other than that, I had a bit of a blank on this position. Uh, James, any any others that nearly made the cut for you? No, I, I completely uh, agree with you on the on the two names that you brought up there. Um, there wasn't really anyone else that flashed into my head. You know, Stockley was a little bit before my time and by all accounts, was a class player. Um, there wasn't re- anyone else that regularly played in that position, certainly onwards from Ian Hendon, who really commanded it the way that he did. So, so we've picked our right back, so we've got two so far. Uh, picking from left, uh, sorry, right to left, let's choose our centre-halves next. Um how do you want to do this? Two at a time or one at a time? Both of them. Should we do both of them? All right, Craig, go on. I've got the the weirdest centre-back pairing that you could ever imagine. Genuinely bizarre. So I've got Warren Goodhind and Jude Barrington-Sterling. <laughs> and I, and I, I've got reasons. Um, <laughs> well, hang on. Let's, 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 hear, let's hear the other choices first. Then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll come back to... I definitely wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Uh, I'm going to make a few notes here just to... Okay. Uh, James, who have you gone for? Well, I'm, I'm just taken aback a little bit by Jude Barrington-Sterling, to be honest. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy listening to hearing Craig talk about that one because I, I, he was nowhere near my list. Um, so I just went quite safe, to be honest. I went, again, 2004 era, Yakabu. Uh, and I went for Joe Devera. In the end, oh, that's a player I missed out. Yeah, it's a great. So I was show. gonna, I was, I was gonna mention him as a right back. Yeah. But then he was more of a. He started at right back, didn't he? Then he moved to centre back. But um, Ian, who were yours? Uh, see, my mine feel less, feel a bit safer. Well, one of them, and it was the only one that I wrote down and was certain about, was Simon King as centre back, which he could come up elsewhere. I'm aware. Uh, Simon King, and I went Chris Plummer alongside him. Um, and he's the one, uh, I think we were talking before we started, I said that there's a player in my team who, in my head, was 
head and shoulders above everyone. I don't know if he was or not. He, he was definitely good. How good he was, I'm not sure. Obviously, he went, played, I think, two leagues higher when he left us. Um, and the one who so nearly beat Plummer maybe was Gary Breen. That was that was really tough to leave him out because I thought he was still a class above when he came to us um, late in his career. And the other two names that made my list, and I, I'm sure I forgot some in here, were um, Greg Heald, um, who I, I really liked. He was captain when I first started going. Um, and the day I was mascot as a 11-year-old against South End, he got sent off. There was a bit of a brawl on the pitch. I think him and Martin Carruthers, who was there for years at South End, and in my memory, and I could be wrong, Heald chased, I think it was Carruthers who was sent off with him, he chased the guy down the tunnel. And I remember I was on that side of the ground where my tickets were. Um, and I just thought that was just magical. Like, what a guy. Um, and the other name, I just, I put him on the list because I thought footballing ability, Mark Arbor was a very good defender. Like, say what you like. And I, and I do understand why that name is mud. But um, he was quality. He was a a very very good player. I I I had I had both of those names on my list as well. I also had Breen on my list as well. So I think we've we've pretty much agreed on that. Healed, um, I probably saw Healed at the back end of his Barnet career when you know two thousand two two thousand three, we were not very good and he was just in a not very good team unfortunately. And then oh one oh two. If, if there's one player that um, I thought might deserve a mention here, so I agree with all the ones you said. But if there's one player I thought. Might deserve a mention, actually. We didn't concede an awful lot of goals when Matt Redmile played. Um, he was a he was a really good uh, footballing uh, centre back for a, for a, obviously a big lad. I don't. I hope that if he no reason why he'd ever hear this, but I hope that wouldn't be offensive to him. But he, he was a, he was he probably built more like a rugby player than a footballer, but a, a, but a technician on the ball for a centre half. And like I say, if you look back. Um, at the stats around that period of time, we we were we were pretty solid. Uh, yeah, when yeah, he, he was quite because he came in that second half of the season when we'd had a bit of a wobble in 0304. Um and we weren't we weren't doing we didn't do brilliantly within the team, but it was a lot of like nil nil draws and stuff. I think he kind of helped steady the ship a little bit to get us to the playoffs. But did he score on his debut at Aldershot, James? I feel like you. Yes, that was exactly that was exactly the game that I was going to mention because we drew we drew we drew on that Friday night game on Sky. Redmar scored that header, and I just remember that being a particularly, you know, big celebration behind the goal. Well, I remember um, with coming us. out of there, adamant to anyone who'd listen that Aldershot Town is the best away trip uh, as a fifteen-year-old, the best ground in football, the atmosphere <laughs> in that that stand yeah. behind the goal because it was quality that night. I remember being very loud both ways, and uh, yeah, Aldershot had good early memories, and then it sort of faded away a little bit as we went on. But yeah, Redmar, and then. I believe in the title winning season, obviously when he'd moved on, correct me if I'm wrong, he scored a goal, and I think it was for Tamworth, against Carlisle, and we were at Gravesend, and we were winning 3-1, and we were, we, he scored that goal, and we, we went, I don't know, 12, 15 points, 13, clear, whatever it was at that point. If we're gonna be 13, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No, again, when Craig said his name, he, that was one of the first things I thought of, was yeah, that, that the text or whatever it was that came through to someone that, Tamworth won Carl Arnold, Red Mile, that, you know, he was doing his bit even after he'd left. Because I think he only ever played like nine games, but I, I love that as a shout. I'm almost thinking, mm, well, I think you, you're going to have to explain your choice. I mean, James is Yakabu and Devera. I mean, yeah, both pretty solid servants, I think. Yakabu, he was in my mind. I just, I, maybe he was, he was just consistent, wasn't he? He was just, he was solid. For me, maybe he didn't quite 
stand out. I remember when he first came in, there was a lot of hype about him. Didn't he go on trial to Arsenal or something? It was going to be... It felt maybe that he never kicked on. But, you know, he had a very successful lower league career. Um, I think he's still playing non-league somewhere now. And, that, and that's and that's where I was going with it. I think like in terms of his service to the club and actually being a nice bloke and the fact that, you know, over his career at Barnet, he probably played in just about every position apart from in goal and up front. Yes, I remember like, there, was, there was a game. At, there was there was a game at Shrewsbury where he played on the left, like left wing. And he's but he's he's not he's not going to be my left winger, but um, you know he was someone that was you know he was good on the ball at times, versatile, um, and you know in terms of like you must have played almost about three hundred games for us. So over that course of time, I just I just felt like he was a safe bet. Yeah, good song as well. Always enjoyed that one. Um, yes. Yes, indeed. Good song and dance. Yes, for some some people, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, Joe Devera, yeah. I mean, again, solid player. Obviously, he kind of went up and then down. I think he was last last at Bournemouth Wood. Perhaps I'm not sure if he's still playing now. But I know he went up, played for Portsmouth, Swindon after us, and he, he was a solid player. Um, uh, also, also one of the the youth team products. I mean, I don't. The, the, frankly, the, the youth team itself has. Had many forms. I don't know what you call it these days. Academy or he was a protech guy. Do you remember that protech thing? Protech, yeah, yeah. Um, remember that he, um, um, but a really, yeah, a really, really good player for Barnet. I thought, um, and um, a good right back for Barnet as well, as you said, James. Yeah, well, so I think Craig, yours probably need the most explanation. Uh, let's, let's start with Warren Goodhine because I feel like Jude deserves a bit of time from all of us. <laughs> I don't. Um, Warren Goodhine gets in because um, Colchester away in the playoffs, the goal, the headed, the headed goal he scored. To this day, I don't think I've ever been in a celebration as Matt. Bear in mind, I would have been um, about ten, so obviously a lot smaller. And when when it goes mental around you in a very packed terrace, it just. It, it rocks. Um, so Jude, so just I, I don't want to skip ahead, but I, I, I'll reveal now because we said we'd have three subs. Didn't necessarily have to pick them. We maybe would land on the subs from our discussion. I'd put Jude Sterling on my bench because I wanted him as an option <laughs> to come on and just <laughs> and just cause something. Um, I remember obviously when we signed him, and he was known for his long throw. And didn't Martin out? We were playing Burton the four-one when Cabba scored all those all the goals. And Martin Allen said that he was injured and then played him at the last minute. And it was something because it, Burton would be expecting the long throw, they wouldn't. So the unpredictability of a guy who, what, played six times perhaps on loan? <laughs> um, I, he was on my list, but he didn't He didn't get a starting berth with me. He, he got in for me um, because I wanted that option from the beginning. <laughs> as, my, as, my, as my team reveals itself, you will see that we are largely relying on set pieces <laughs> And people and, <laughs> and people who can win us free kicks and penalties, basically, because we don't really have an awful lot of pace. But um, he made it. He, he got in um, because of his height and his option as a throwing master. I I I am, um, and also because his middle name is Barrington. Yeah, I remember I how he found um, that out, but that that was a real thing. Is how you used his full name earlier. Right. So uh, tough choice there for the centre halves uh, with six different names plus lots more so I think what we'll do is let's let's see who we've said for left back because I feel that might help us out a little bit uh, potentially and then we'll 
come up with the, the back four as a whole once we've got the other fullback. So, um, Craig, who have you gone for as your left back? Simon King. Uh, love Simon King. Okay, and Jimbo? I've also gone for Simon King. Right. Okay, right. Well, so he's in He's in everyone's team, but a different role. And you, Ian? Um, I've gone for Simon Clist for me. Mm. Um, and before we go on, Simon King, I'll, I'll, I'll back up why Simon Clist should be in the team. Purely because he was just so consistent in that year we won the league in a position that wasn't his. I mean, he signed the year before under Allen as a centre mid. Um had played there and he scored a couple of goals like obviously the one match, of those goals yeah the, the playoffs something against Shrewsbury yeah, yeah. the winner in the last Massive minute game. one of my favourite Barnet goals yeah. certainly of my time um, and he'd been told in the summer by Fairclough that he was surplus to requirements I think you know he wanted to go in a different direction um, but ended up starting that first game against Forest Green uh, at left back maybe because of a lack of options or whatever and I could be wrong on this, and I'm generally not too bad with my stats, but I think he played every league game. I, I think he featured in all 42 or 46, however many it was then, league matches in that title-winning campaign. And he was just so solid, so consistent. Um, the fact he missed that penalty against Carlisle in the last home game where he almost cleared the fence in the North Terrace that we talked about in the last episode to try and get his one goal from left-back uh, added to the charm of it all for me. And then obviously he was very unlucky with injury after that. Um, and his Barnet career did sort of peter out. And I've heard that he's kind of gone off the radar a bit since being out of football, that when they organised that get-together last year for the title-winning team, he's he's nowhere to be seen, I don't know. Um, but no, I just I just thought he's just such a solid, no-nonsense player um, and well worth a part in this team. Yeah, I mean, he was the only one really that, beyond um, Simon King, was a, was a, a consideration for me. Uh, in a way, it does make it difficult, but I suppose it does make it a little bit easier for us to sort out the positions if you put Cliss there. Because again, it's another position, sort of like right back, where after that 2004-05 season, we struggled to fill it with anyone, you know, of any sort of decent quality. So yeah, I think I think Clist is definitely a shout for me. So, so, so just a cut. Yeah, I agree. Just a couple of other players. Um, Kenny Gillet, um at the beginning when he first signed, I thought was was very good. Then he um, maybe went off the boil a little bit. Um, Nicky Nicolau, another one um, who I remember bumping into with, uh, I think, both of you uh, in the electric ballroom in Camden. Yeah, didn't Nicolau get released twice and then came back? I seem to remember he was like one of those, that, you know, his contract's up, he's leaving, and then, oh, we've re-signed him again. I think he was there for about three years in the end. But, yeah, no, I thought he was dependable, um, if not maybe outstanding. I, I jotted down as much as anything. My, my left-back... After Cliss, yeah, I was in that kind of same thing of who else is there. Um, I jotted down Robbie Sawyers, who was part of that team that made the playoffs 99-2000, maybe a little bit before as well, and was there for a couple of years, maybe the first year back in the conference. And I sort of Googled him a few in the build-up to this, and he just disappeared. Like He played for, Bar- I think, Hereford briefly after us. And yeah, then that's right. there's nothing. Like I, I, Again, he's another one I'd love to know whatever happened to Robbie Sawyers, because he was he was a solid enough performer in League Two and, and uh, the conference. Um, so he was on my potential list. Lee Flynn as well, who, who yeah. took his place. Uh, I always quite rated him. Um, and a player, again, just strangely in mind works. We had a guy on loan from Hull City called Michael Price. Mm. 
obviously with my thick accent you can tell I'm Welsh um, but he was a Wales under 21 international and he came in and it was like blimey like signing internationals I think he played four times at left back in the 0203 season and as I recall he was quality like, he, mi- he missed one yeah. game because he was on international duty you're like well, of course he is he's, he's going to be a big name last seen about 15 years ago playing for North Ferriby United another one who I don't know but do you remember him being really good? And if you go back far enough, um, probably my earlier days, Michael Hull, Sean Gale, players like that that played uh, played at left back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I frankly, I'm I, I I find it hard to look past King. Cliss is probably the best uh, alternative, and I, it's hard to look past the two uh, of them. Really, I, I feel like I'm happy to kind of concede. King, uh, I thought he had his best games for Barnet as a centre-half, the league winning year and back in the league before then he went to Gillingham, I think, and played in the same position. But I think to get him in the team and maybe some of the other names as well, I'm quite happy to concede. Uh, I think Clisty's unlucky, but um, I think, yeah, King at left-back. Is that a consensus we're going to go on for that one? Let's go with it. I feel I feel bad for Simon Clist missing out. Even though I didn't mention him. The only reason I didn't mention him is because I put King at left back straight away. He's not listening, James. It's fine. He might be. Okay, we'll so never know. Simon, Simon King touched. left back. So, two centre-halves from, from those choices. Can I um, jump in and select one of yours, Ian? Um, Chris Plummer, who I completely agree with you, um, was a bloke who... Um, was well above the the standard at the time. That's how I remember it. And um, I've heard others who played and were part of that period of time who have also said similar things. Um, he's he, it's difficult because he's not um, he's not like a Barnet legend in terms of he wasn't a big career guy at Barnet, you know, or one of these kind of things. Not just the one season, but um, for that last minute goal against Gravesend, um, and generally being just a a top-class centre-back. I completely agree. He, he was um, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that got mentioned on the, on the last one as well, the Gravesend goal, which for anyone maybe who, who you know, is before their era or they weren't at the game, you might think... I mean, just to give context to that, so Gravesend, we played them at home middle of November. Um, we were doing pretty well at the time. It was an absolutely appalling game of football, as I recall. Uh, it was freezing cold. There weren't many there, maybe 1,200, if that, perhaps. Um and it was one of those going to pet her out into a nil-nil draw. And then it was like the 96th minute or something. I don't know what he was doing there. He'd, he'd, he'd come up from defence. It, it was in open play, ball across the box. And he came in sort of side foot at the North Terrace end and put it in. And I just remember the East Terrace, you know, from the what we talked about in the last episode, was just bedlam. Like just absolute, I suppose, a relief. Like they kind of, it put us in a really good position because the next game we were playing Chester and we could have gone tight. It was like sort of us and them for top spot at that point. So it set things up well for the next match. But it was just you know, one of my favourite ever Underhill goals in a pretty nothing low-profile match. Um, and again, that that only, as you say, adds to his credibility, definitely. Yeah, you've, you've covered it perfectly. That That is one of my favourite Underhill goal moments, that one, because it just came out of nowhere, it seemed. And yeah, like you say, it was bedlam is a very good word to describe it. All right, so then who's playing alongside Plummer in the other defensive berth? If if we could park aside the, let's face it, we don't know the details, but the, certainly the reportedly unfortunate circumstances that Mark Arbour departed, he would be a, a huge shout 
um, for a centre-back. I mean, imagine those two. Goodness me. Not much gets past that, does it? But I, I just find it hard to put him in, you know... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a, talking about our, our favourite team rather than the best. And I think, it, he, yeah, the way the way things ended with him. And also, we do want people to listen to this podcast who like Barnet. And I think if we uh, go Arbor, yeah. we might lose quite a bit of listenership now. Um, I'm, I'm half tempted... Even though he didn't make my team, just to have a late shout for Matt Redmile, you know, to, to play, play there. I don't know, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Uh, do you know what? If we, if we go Redmile, then we'd, we'd literally have the back four from a period of time in 03-04. Hendon right back, King left back, yeah. Plummer centre half, Redmile alongside him. I mean, that, you know, everything seemed quite all right in the world back then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James? Uh, I just Red Mile for the reasons we've discussed would be great. I mean, I just I just think that you know, however many games he played, twelve or something like that. I'm not sure if it's quite enough to qualify him. I'm just not sure. Um, what are the other? What are the, the options? The other options are Sterling, uh, Bree, a good hind, uh, Yakabu Devira, aren't they? Good hind, I, I know was was a really hot prospect kind of at the club, and people expected a lot of him. I know that. How, horrendous injury which ruled out me seeing him play very much with Barnet um, I don't know about you James probably the same yeah very little I would have seen him I'm, I'm not sure as a combined team he's going to get in there um, I think Craig you were saying that Gary Breen didn't make anyone's first level but he was quality wasn't he like he he really was a step above Pro- probably kept us up when he came in uh, when he did um, just thought he was a class act I found centre back a difficult place anyway. So did I. A bit of me. I mean, if you want leaders on the pitch, Greg Hill, as you said, is another one who's a who who played for Barnet a long time, and he was a a real hard uh, man at centre back, a real sort of solid option. Um, who have we got? We've got Chris Plummer. You you want a you want a hard, you want a hard man? It's a Chris Plummer, don't you? Because Plummer was a. He was solid, but he wasn't nasty. We wanted someone a bit, you know, a bit of grit. I don't know. John Ford type player. Quite as a player. John Ford. Headbutted Jimmy Quinn. Don't sit out on a football pitch very much these days, do you? <laughs> yeah, not a, not a sentence you hear very often, is it? Uh, headbutting Jimmy Quinn. That, that is a moment that I think deserves full coverage. And um, that, that, that whole, because that was in the 9-1 Peterborough game. That deserves full attention at another time. Um, a, pl- a player to play at centre back there. Uh, I don't think Jude can make it. Jude, I love Jude Barrington Sterling. I think Jude could. I'm going to vote for him as a, a sub. He might, he might well make an appearance off the bench. Um, I feel like we need to be a bit more decisive, otherwise we're going to be here all day. I, I feel like let, let's try again, see if we've come to a, an agreement. So if we, if we each say who we're going to who we're going to pick, and we'll see if we end up with at least two, and that'll be a majority. Uh, James, who are you going alongside Plummer? Devera. Ooh, Craig. Do you know what? I, I, I'm happy to back Devera. I like Devera a lot. I thought he was a top-class centre-back. OK, so the back five, as it were, then. Uh, we got there in the end. So Lee Harrison in goal. Ian Hendon at right-back. And I think we probably would agree he'd be the captain, regardless of who uh, else gets picked, because I'd like to see anyone else take it off him. Uh, our two centre-halves, we've ended up with Chris Plummer and Joe Devera. And at left-back, Simon King.
Right, so I'm pretty confident we have a unanimous choice uh, on the right winger, but let's check that first of all. So, uh, James, who have you chosen as your right midfielder? Definitely Albert Adoma. Okay, Craig? Albert Adoma, man, yeah, quality. Yeah, and it's a, it's a hat-trick. He, he's in, he's got his number seven shirt, because the right winger always should wear number seven. Uh, Albert Adoma. Uh, let's, why have you picked him, Craig? I... Um... He's just such a so one that probably is the best for me right wing we've had anyway. So he wins he wins anyway on ability, but just a humble, um, local, lovely bloke um, who who seemed to love doing what he was doing and and uh, was great for Barnet. Um, whenever he whenever he played, I know I know, and he may come up. Yannick Balassi played with him on the, they played either side of the wings. And Yannick arguably went on to have a, a better career, and there's others that we'll, we'll probably talk about as well. But but um, in terms of wingers of that era and wingers of my era, um, he was quick. He could he could score all kinds of goals. To be fair, he you could you probably could have played up front for us. He was he was and he was streets ahead of that division um, as his career's gone on. So just just uh, just felt like a problem. And 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 I'll tell you another thing as well. Always came back to watch Barnet. Um, after as well um, yeah I remember just, um, just... in the main stand once sitting there and it was maybe the summer after he left or maybe even a year or two it was international weekend so he had no game for I think he was at Bristol City at the time and he was there and we, we serenaded him with the standard Albert 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 chant and like you said it was the look of it was just the humility about the guy like he, he looked almost embarrassed he was obviously like a big smile and stuff and sort of waved and everything but yeah, he, he he never had that air of anything about you know I deserve this or or I'm this or that. Just yeah, a, a top top guy. I remember you know we met him at the player awards. I think in his first season, he was particularly funny when we were chatting to him. Uh, when we had a picture with him, um, and and I remember one of our friends uh, literally taking the shirt off his back, rather him away last yeah. game of his first season. Um, and even that, like, he clearly didn't actually, I don't think, want to get rid of the shirt. Um, uh, but it was just such a nice guy, big smile, like, oh, go on then, like, you have it. Um, he was a, um, am I right in saying he was a painter decorator um, when he was, and he was playing in like the... At Harrow. The, well, but even before that, I think he was like in the sevens for a Sunday league team and obviously far too, like, he just seemed like he, he loved football, uh, as far as I could tell. I was talking like he's not here with anymore like no but he from everything you could tell about when he played with this love football paint a decorator um make makes it out when, when he probably didn't think he was going to make it and and also just really you i don't know we, who was at the hereford away i think it was his debut was hereford away but i don't we, it was before you would announce something like that on the website i think we, we'd never heard of him and suddenly he turned up and he scored am i right in saying that on his debut yeah you're right so that that was what i was going to say about him other than being like an absolutely class player and i don't remember him ever having a bad game um, I've never seen anyone in my time going to Barnet who has such an impact from his debut. I mean, that, that Hereford game you spoke about that you mentioned there, it was a Wednesday night, wasn't it, in January? And we went there. We'd never won there in 40 years and 20 games or something stupid. And then I'm not even sure. No, sorry, he did start. I think he started. I'm, I, I'll have to check that. He, might, he either started or came, on, came, off the, came off the bench, but he definitely scored. The the impact that he had that night, we looked at we looked at that and going, who the hell is this guy? Like we 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 had a habit of picking up players from 
non-league, and you know they were they were very much hit and miss sometimes. Uh, but he was obviously one of the biggest hits that we ever found, like completely out of nowhere. He was class. We we never won at Hereford either. We never won at Hereford. Do you remember? It was. Do you remember? It was. It was that that chant was born that night. And do you remember the way it was laid out at Hereford, where you know we were sat in that second tier above the pitch, and the second tier was directly above the terrace that was underneath. So you're sort of leaning over the fence, and you're almost on the pitch, albeit three or four meters up. And we were just leaning over there, just like pointing at him, shouting Albert, doing the chant. And from there, it was just. It was just he just went from strength to strength straight away, didn't he? With that, with that goal and just just his his ability. I can't believe we had him for two and a half seasons. Like how he and and like you, you said, Craig, like how he didn't maybe go on to even more, especially when you see what Belassi did. I think it's such a shame that twice he's got promoted to the Premier League and he's left as soon as he's got up there. Um, it, it's yeah, it feels almost quite unjust that he's not. We haven't got to see him on match the day or whatever because. Uh, if there's anyone who's kind of gone on to greater things than Barnett who you want to see do well and you wish to kind of do the best, he's definitely kind of right up there for me, certainly. So if there's any Premier League clubs out there that want to realise our dream of seeing Albert Adomer on Match of the Day, that would be uh, fantastic. <laughs> OK, so now moving on. So the right wing was quite easy. I've got a feeling this might be the hardest bit, is the centre midfield positions. Um I've undenied on mine, certainly, and changed them a few times, but I think I've got my final two for this. Um, James, who have you gone for in the middle of the park? Yeah, you're right. It was a difficult position to fill because there's a lot of names that I went through uh, and a lot of shortlisted names who can feel very hard done by to not be in the final two. But I've gone for, a, again, same era um, with my two. I've gone for Bailey and Sinclair. Craig? Interesting, interesting. So I, I found this a particularly difficult one. Um, and I I don't think I'm going to let either of you argue me out of one of them. Because for me, he has to be in there. Certainly not the most gifted. Certainly not even the longest serving. But Mark Hughes, for me, has to be in there. Because of the, not just the goal at Burton, but just... I remember, um, remember we saw him in the Durham suite after a game once and uh, we haven't you know as, as probably was the case then bothering him and um, as we did with a lot of players and uh, he, he had, didn't have his wedding ring on and he was and he went from being very focused on the conversation with us to being very panicked about upsetting his wife he was like I'll be murdered if I get home without this so he, he just again another humble guy so Mark Hughes um, and I've also gone with Nicky Bailey Interesting, very interesting indeed, and I've I've almost made it difficult with the last minute switch I had. Um, so this morning my list was Bailey and Sinclair as well, um, and again we're not so not necessarily ability, although it'd be tough. Sinclair's kept his place, so that's two votes for Dean Sinclair. I swapped Nicky Bailey for John Doolan, uh, just because I feel like a player like that is that's almost what it's about supporting a team like Barnet or a lower league side is that you've got big lump um, who, who uh, are not going to do him a disservice at all because he was quality I, that's the thing I, I thought he was really good as well but he didn't look much like a footballer his song was he's fat he's scouse he'll rob your something house uh, like I, I just I don't know I feel like that he was the end of that era I think he, um, he, and he deserves his place certainly one that um, I thought about there used to be we talked about the Northwest Terrace being cynical uh, if not if not many other things. Um, 
and there used to be two jokes about John Doolan, um, like, like on, ongoing kind of things that used to be said. So the first thing was um, that he got quicker um, towards half time because he could start smelling the burgers being done. Uh, so that was one thing that used to get said. And the other thing was that he was much better when we played downhill. Um, not because of the slope, but because it was facing the Durham Suite where the bar was. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they were the two things that were constantly said about him. But he was a top class. I remember seeing him score, and you guys will probably correct me, but in my memory, this is what happened. He scored the only goal in a 1-0 win away at Margate. And it was on the old Margate pitch where it was um, more bobbly than the playing fields outside. Um, ter- terrible, terrible pitch, that uh, terrible ground, really. Um, and I think it might have been our first season after we got relegated. I think it was that first season there um, when when all those players who went down, I think, had a real rude awakening at Margate of what had actually happened and what, what relegation really meant. Um, and that's just before they went to Dover and played at Dover. So, yeah, I think he scored that goal. But he was, yeah, I agree with you, um, a, a top player, a top player. Yeah, I, I, um, I spun him out. Some years later, actually, uh, when I was at university in Nottingham, I adopted uh, Hucknall Town as my local team to go and watch. And they were in the Conference North at the time. They played Southport. And John Doolan was the, uh, I think, still registered as a player, uh, assistant manager for Southport. And at half time, as they came off the pitch, because the dugouts there are right by the but the bar, uh, convenient enough, um, he, I just sort of grabbed him, John, John, and uh, sort of pulled him over and, and explained that, I was a Barnet fan and he, he sort of literally took a step back and went like, what are you doing here then? Um, <laughs> but but then to be fair to him, despite having to get in for his half-time team talk or whatever, he, he gave me the time of day to explain why and I'm pretty sure I told him how brilliant I thought he was and we posed for a photo together, um, which a number of people commented that I made him look slim at the time. Um, and uh, and he was just a really nice bloke. Um, and I believe since then he's gone on to work. He's back at Everton, where I think he started his career, and he's doing doing youth coaching there or something. And uh, another thing I recall when a few years ago we randomly had Everton VIP tickets, all of us, thanks to through your work, James, <laughs> and uh, free VIP tickets with a free bar. <laughs> and as I recall, we spent quite a long time charging around the, the downstairs bit of Goodison Park. <laughs> Looking for John Doolan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, you couldn't complete this bit without that, that point. Because I remember we, we ended up speaking to some of the other coaches there who were very excited about the fact that there were Barnet fans that might, that might have heard of John Doolan. He was clearly a popular figure there. That, that's what I'd say in terms of amongst the, the, the coaches there. Um, but yeah, a great, um, certainly a great Barnet player. To a, like real quality. If you talk about playmakers um, who sit in the hole, um, prob- probably aren't any better ones that I can think of that played for Barnet. Yeah, you're right, and, and and with him, like on the very much on the harsh, like players to not be included in the in the team for me, um, rather like Mark Hughes you spoke about, um, you know, like the, that Burton goal, just him that season, he sort of carried that team along sometimes, and that Burton goal was a culmination of it all. And it's 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 certainly one that you sort of watch back sometimes, and you just sort of you've only got fond memories of that that certainly that day and that moment. Um, if, yeah, Mark Hughes. If I could add a if I could add a, a centre midfielder um, who sits on my bench, it turns out, but um, I, I might be an unpopular choice. But I loved watching this this guy play, um, Sam Deering. 
Uh, no, he yeah, scored. He, he, he's in. He's in my list. He, I, if you, I wasn't sure I'd put him maybe out wide, but yeah, he was very good. I don't know if you remember. Um, we played against Chesterfield. It was Martin Allen's first game back in in um, the first time he was asked to come back and get us out of bother. It was Saturday. It was a six pm kickoff, I think. That's right. Um, it was the internationals. Because the internationals. Um, so that had a bit of novelty. It was under the lights at Underhill, but a, a late, effectively a late afternoon. Uh, early evening kickoff, and um, Sam Deering scored two goals against top of the table uh, Chesterfield to get us a point, and one of which was a very, very late goal, which was a, a cross that just sort of somehow en- w- w- looped over the goalkeeper and ended up in the goal, um, and uh, and for me, from that moment onwards, just a, I, he, he was... Again, a playmaker, but more the kind of number 10 playmaker, not, uh, not in the hole. Um, and very, just very exciting to watch. Very, very exciting to watch Sam Deering, I thought. Um, yeah, no, he was, he was a quality player. I think in that Chesterfield game, the, the other goal he scored was absolutely fantastic. A long-range effort, sort of top corner, which gets forgotten about because of how unique the other goal was. Um, the week after he won a penalty at Burton, I think, to go 2-1 up as well, which is pretty important. And then... It was a shame for him, I think, the timing of his Barnet career because he was in there when we were down the bottom and he was he was a bit of a spark and a bit of, you know, at times genius going forward. But he was playing in a poor team, so maybe we didn't ever see what would happen. For him. He's had a strange career since because he's, he's, he's done really well wherever he's played, but he's stayed quite low down. And apparently, he I think he opted to go part-time. I think he's back at Dagenham now, maybe, playing full-time in the conference. But I know he played for um, Billericay for a while lower down um, and apparently that, that suited him being out of the full-time game I um, a player another player if I could mention him um, and I you could argue should have been under the right right midfield but certainly also played centre midfield I think at Barnet but certainly in his career Mark Gower um, certainly a player that um, was he was, a, he was a real top class uh, centre midfielder he'd come from Spurs I think he was expected big things, or they expected big things of him at Spurs, and he dropped down to Barnet, which was probably a, a little bit below what he probably would have expected to be playing at. And in any case, um, a top, you know, he's certainly a nice bloke from everything you, you hear, and, no, and, he a, was, he and was a, a top good player as well. Um, and I actually listened to something with him on recently where he was saying he talked a bit about his time at Barnet, and it did sound like he kind of got pushed into the move a little bit by Spurs and his agent, and was. Uh, was it was maybe not what he was expecting to to end up at that level um, because he obviously had the ability. I mean, like if you look at his career after Barnet, he played in the Premier League when he was like thirty two. I think he had played once for Spurs like way before, but it was about eleven years after that first Tottenham appearance he played for Swansea, and yeah, pretty much their first season up when they were playing some really good stuff as well under um, Rogers. He was he was part of it, um, and yeah, I mean, he was he was a player who when I. You know, in that, that early era of start of going, he he did stand out as a quality player. Again, another one who it's funny, the more we talk about this, we say, Oh yeah, he was a player in a bad team, but we've said that for about five or six players now. So I don't really understand what was going on because we did have some quality players around that time, and nearly all of them who left from the first team went back up to the football league, and Gower obviously was a prime example. Um but yeah, no, he was someone who definitely was in and around my selection process, but I wasn't really sure where to fit him in. Um I had a few more centre mids who I was sort of thinking about really carefully. I mean, in the same ilk as Deering, and I think he was one that I just took a real liking to. I thought Mark Byrne was always really consistent in those last few years at Underhill. 
Um, I think his career since Barnet kind of shows that as well. He's become a really established lower league player. Um, scored a couple of belting goals. That goal at Morecambe away, first match of the season, uh, 11-12. Oh, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, nice lad as well to boot when we met him a couple of times in the bar after the game and stuff. He was always friendly enough. Um, so, yeah, Mark Byrne deserves a shout, definitely. Maybe not quite in the team there. Um, we said Bailey and Sinclair, but if you remember the if you had to pick the title winning 11 Sinclair's in the centre Bailey was wide right Dwayne Lee uh, he, yeah. you know again, he was a bit of a strange one that he had one brilliant season with Barnet in that in the year when the league not to everyone's taste I think you know some people were a bit uh, well Nicky Bailey for by all accounts yeah, well, that, <laughs> Nicky Bailey's taste end, didn't it? allegedly some sort of training round bust up between the incident but he, 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 I thought he complimented Sinclair and Bailey for that matter really well in that team you know the way he did just sit and they called him casual d and he, he just looked very relaxed at all times but um yeah and, that, and that's that's why i think he got the bad rap because i think some people took that sort of laid back sort of sitting in front of the defense and, and playing the ball as sort of laziness but i i really rated Dwayne lee um, I, I remember he scored some he scored a couple of really good goals for us there was a there was a volley that he scored at home to york um, in the title winning season where the ball sort of came out and he smacked it in off the crossbar from 20 yards and he scored a really good goal away at Cheltenham the following season where he sort of passed it in from about 30 yards or something stupid. So I, I really rated him. If we're going to talk about Dwayne Lee goals, then uh, Carlisle away. Uh, oh, well, one, one of yeah. my favourite moments supporting Barnet ever. Um, and James, I can distinctly remember, uh, maybe I don't, maybe I've just thought it since, in my head, you shouted, Dwayne, as he met the header uh, from the corner that came in the box, about six minutes from the end, down our end as well, uh, to win 3-1 right. up there early in the that season. That did happen. It was just, ah. Oh. Presumably got to mention that I wasn't there myself, but the Exeter game. He was an ex- Exeter player, I think. Is that right? And um, did he score two when we we won down there on Tuesday night with a team of, he was, the eldest, he was the eldest player out of, I think he was 25 as the eldest player uh, in that team or something like that and he, um, he, he scored one and we, we, we gave him the captain's armband that night because we had a couple of sort of senior players missing from that team and he scored the first goal and then, then the sort of the floodgates opened that was he, he played out of his skin that night against his old club funnily enough but um, yeah he was he was on his day he was really really good I thought if I may offer a cult uh, sort of hero centre midfielder Lewis Hogg Remember Lewis Hogg? Wow, yeah. Went, went to go and play for... I think he went on to play for Western Supermare after Barnet. He was certainly from that part of the world. And Barnet, he's certainly a West Country boy, I think. It's, it's, your, your, mention, your mention of him sort of brought up another name in my head and he sort of falls in the category of the one-season wonders that we had, either via loan... Uh, is he French? Uh, well, he wasn't, but... Um, well, I was, I was going with Joe Gamble from that season. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, and then... You've mentioned Guy Lopez, or Guy Lopez rather. Um, yeah, I love that guy. And then also a bit, f- yeah. a bit further on, um, I had Josh Wright in my head. Yes. Yeah, top player, real Very top good. player. Um, yeah, he was a bit further on, but so, so yeah, Guy Lopez was talking of debuts. He played away at um, was it his debut at Morecambe? Did he make his debut up there? Was that o two o three that he made his debut up there? Yeah, yeah. There's about. Ten of us there, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, yeah, and he was he, he played out of his skin that day. 
and then he just went on to be a complete cult hero, didn't he? He was he was brilliant. Yeah, talk, talking about random players that um that that had fantastic debuts, probably against the odds. Um, how did we get through talking about centre backs without talking about Clovis Camjo? Of course, that that oh. game down at um, Torquay. And um, you know, again, if 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 it's if 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 rumours if the rumours are correct, there was certainly from the management team at the time were really a bit worried because they thought we had this young player who probably wasn't ready for first team football, and they thought that in the injury situation and availability of centre backs at the time meant, God, no, Clovis Camjo might have to play, and he he played out of his skin. He was fantastic, and and a, and again for me, a real sort of cult hero at Barnet, Clovis Camjo. Love Clovis. Well, he was very much the mascot of this site for a while, wasn't he? Because he just because of all of his sort of antics. I mean, he was he was he was just like the ultimate cult hero of that era, wasn't he? Um, if if correct me if I'm wrong, did he sort of float between midfield and defence? He did, but I think I feel like you've got too many choices in the middle. I I, I would I'd like to be controversial, and, and no offence is meant to uh, Joe Devera here, but I feel like. That was a bit of an oversight, and it's got to be Devera, maybe making the bench. But I think Clovis has got to play. Clovis has got to be in the team for morale as much as anything else. Yeah, I, I will. I will give you that. So we'll go back and retrospectively put Cam Joe in the back four. Um, certainly for his, if not for his uh, block at home to Hereford on the line in that relegation six nine pointer that we played against them on that Friday night. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's and in. all of his antics. Clovis, and and I'd like to issue a full and frank apology to Clovis that we somehow missed him off our list of defenders, yes. and, and, a, and a apology to Devera as well for having to miss out. At this point, following the unforgivable omission of Clovis Camjo from our original start on eleven, it seems like a sensible time to take a bit of a break um, and to give you a rest from listening to us here as well. But please do join us in a couple of days' time for part two of this episode where we'll complete the midfield, decide on the attackers and work out who is going to be in and around the dugout um, at Underhill for this ultimate team. Most people would say I was mad. Oh, 